the important thing to understand here is we're talking about real mental health treatments. We're talking about biotech and pharmaceutical companies. Now, it's interesting to me, and I find it, you know, a good movement in the right direction when I hear about cities, counties, various places looking to decriminalize recreational shroom use and, and other drugs. Yeah, that, that's great. But that's not really what we're talking about here because I run an exchange-traded fund, an exchange-traded fund that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And that fund, in turn, invests in publicly traded, publicly listed corporations that specialize in, or it's a big part of their business, psychedelic treatments for depression, even traumatic brain injury on the far end, anxiety, PTSD, even anorexia. Hello and welcome to Signals by AlphaSense where we hear thoughtful insights from business leaders, investors, and experts. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Signals by AlphaSense, and I'm your host, Nick Mazing. Today, we're going to talk about psychedelics and the companies involved in their development. It's a very interesting emerging space, and our guest, Dan Ahrens, is a legend in the investing world. He's the original portfolio manager of the Vice Mutual Fund, very famous fund that is actually still around, incredible longevity. Dan has also written a book on cannabis investing, and we're going to have the link in the show notes. Currently, Dan is the portfolio manager for the Advisor Share Psychedelics ETF, ticker PSIL. In the interest of full disclosure, I'm personally long another ETF managed by Dan, ticker MSOS, which is the Multi-State Cannabis Operators. Dan, welcome to the podcast, and can you tell us a little bit more about you, Advisor Shares, and your ETFs? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Nick. Yeah, as you said, in my past, I did create the Vice Fund Mutual Fund, ran it for its first three years, and quite successfully when I left there, I think it was a four-star-rated fund and in the top one or two, three percent in its lipper categories. I even ran another uh, five-star rated large cap growth fund back there. And at that time, I wrote a book called Investing in Vice. That's St. Martin's Press. I've been at Advisor Shares. Advisor Shares is an ETF company, exchange-traded funds. Since its founding 12, 13 years ago, one of the very first employees of the firm that was founded by Noah Hammond. But Advisor Shares really wants to be an innovator. We really want to be a first mover in a lot of the you know, ETF strategies. We were one of the first funds to get an exemptive relief, it's called, for actively managed ETFs. And then we got another exemptive relief allowing us to do um, unsponsored or over-the-counter ADRs. We were the first firm to do a long short equity ETF, to do a, an ETF that shorts individual stocks. And as you alluded to, we've certainly been innovators in the cannabis and psilocybin or psychedelics areas, creating ETFs where others maybe didn't think they could exist before. We were the very first firm to invest in U.S. plant-touching cannabis funds. We had a lot of negotiation with our custody bank and the New York Stock Exchange. The SEC asked us to get opinion letters. And, you know, we really opened a lot of doors with the work that we did. We've had other copycats since then. 
the fund that you said you invest in, Nick. Thanks for your investment. MSOS, that's the largest cannabis fund in the world. Even though, uh, full disclosure, cannabis has had a very difficult time performance-wise the last two years. It's been a long, painful drawdown. But at some point, uh, we believe that's going to change. But yeah, we're basically the largest cannabis investors in existence. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the, you know, psychedelics and the potential applications. And what is important to know in terms of kind of background information, we're talking about both natural substances like psilocybin, right? Which you mentioned already and synthesized substances like ketamine, like MDMA, you know, not for recreational use, <laughs> to be clear. Can you give us an overview of the major substances and the potential applications which largely center on mental health? Exactly. And you did mention the, the primary substances, but it also dovetails into cannabis. When we look at the potential uses of cannabis that are just scratching the surface because it's a Schedule One drug still, unfortunately. But it's pretty obvious when um, many states have allowed medical marijuana that it's useful for PTSD and depression and much better than opioids for pain man management, all sorts of uses. And the cannabis plant contains a large number of cannabinoids that biotech and pharmaceutical companies have barely begun to test on because of the Schedule One stigma. Now back to psychedelics. Yeah, you mentioned the, the major substances, psilocybin from mushrooms. But the important thing to understand here is we're talking about real mental health treatments. We're talking about biotech and pharmaceutical companies. Now, it's interesting to me, and I find it, you know, a good movement in the right direction when I hear about cities, counties, various places looking to decriminalize recreational shroom use and, and other drugs. Yeah, that, that's great. But that's not really what we're talking about here because I run an exchange traded fund, an exchange traded fund that's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And that fund in turn invests in publicly traded, publicly listed corporations that specialize in, or it's a big part of their business, psychedelic treatments for depression, even traumatic brain injury on the far end, anxiety, PTSD, even anorexia. You know, I think it's easy to admit in our country, or if not the world, that we have a opioid crisis, overprescription of opioids. But let's look a little bit further. How about overprescription of antidepressants, ADHD treatments? There's all sorts of very valid uses for psychedelic treatments. And we have companies that have various intellectual property, their IP. They have treatments and drugs in FDA trial for very important uses that could help circumvent the drug problem that we have in the United States. Now, the problem is this gets into a push-pull with big pharma because I'm investing in, more often, mental health, biotech, pharmaceutical companies, but we're talking about microcap companies, small companies trying to grow. 
And big pharma, on the other hand, might want to acquire those companies at some point um, for the intellectual property that they have. But there's also a push-pull, as I said, in that these psychedelic natural treatments could greatly cut into the cash pipeline of these pharmaceutical companies that are making a lot of money from prescribing opioids and antidepressants and all the other drugs. So that's sort of where we sit now. And the next question that I have kind of builds on that, you know, when, when you look at, you know, a parallel to cannabis or rather like there as a parallel. So cannabis, mostly recreational use. Legalization has been progressing, you know, depending on state, it's all, but it's practically legal across most of the country for recreational use. Sure. In contrast, in contrast, the efforts that, you know, we're, we're discussing here are mostly medical and not recreational. What can you specifically tell us in terms of targeted uh, therapeutic areas and so on that, that is going on right now in terms of studies? And No, it's a very interesting question, Nick. And uh, last week I was at a, a pair of conferences down in Miami, uh, a cannabis conference followed up by a psychedelics conference where I was a speaker and so on. So these often get you know thrown in a bucket together. A lot of the investors interested in these areas are the same investors. A lot of the cannabis movement came out of the medical marijuana and treatment side of things. You know, it's a, it's a plant that's also a medicine and can treat a lot of things. But when we talk about investability and the real growth of cannabis, it's on the adult use side, or some people call it the recreational side, but adult use. And the companies that, you know, we can invest in more often are making their money more from the adult use side. <laughs> There's some you know, very large, very substantial medical side as well. On the other hand, so even though we're at the same conferences and we have a lot of the same investors, psychedelics is very, very different. Again, you know, I applaud some municipalities, counties, other places that are looking to decriminalize you know, the use of psilocybin and other similar drugs. But that's not investable. For investing in psychedelics, we're really, really talking about investing as one would and looking at companies as one would in the biotech market. Most of the time, these companies are pre-revenue, pre-profit. They're going to trade based on their IP, their intellectual property and you know drugs that they might have or treatments they might have in the FDA pipeline. And that's how people trade biotech stocks. That's where big pharma separates from biotech. Biotech is very often smaller, maybe micro cap, maybe small cap, very volatile, pre-revenue trading on their pipeline. Same thing with psychedelics here. You know, we, we think we have a lot of upside. We think it's a, a very long-term thing, but I want to warn people, these investments can be very volatile. It's very much a micro cap type of market. And, but there's a big difference that people need to understand between cannabis investing and psychedelics investing. Even though they were both down last year in 2022, we look at cannabis stocks based on their revenue, on their cash flow, on their balance sheet, on their survivability. These psychedelics companies, you're really looking at them as you would a biotech stock. 
you know, I think that I, I think it's a very interesting space when you when you look through the studies and you know it's depression, it's you know treatment resistant depression with ketamine, with some things we found MDNA, ADHD. There was one that was kind of looking at Alzheimer's and so on. So, what can you tell us about the largest holdings in your ETF? Certainly. Now, an interesting point for everybody. It's kind of the beauty of an exchange traded fund or ETF is we have daily transparency. So at our website, advisorshares.com, you can look at the fund, Advisor Shares Psychedelics ETF, ticker symbol, as Nick said, PSIL, that's short for psilocybin. But the holdings are right there. And hey, you just want to spy on what we're doing and get ideas and invest on your own, feel free. You know, we, we think investing in an ETF is a good idea because it's listed on the New York Stock Exchange. You can buy a basket of these stocks, you know, all in one trade. You can use limit orders. There's all sorts of, you know, reasons for an ETF, but that's beside the point. And the other thing about an actively managed ETF, active doesn't mean I'm trading it every day. It doesn't mean I'm overly active. The prospectus doesn't say that it's meant to be a tactical strategy. In many cases, active ETF simply means it's not based on an index. An index might mean you're just blindly putting every psychedelics company in there and the biggest ones are weighted the most. So no, we're actually making choices, selecting which companies we want. And therefore, when you look at our holdings on our website, I call it a little bit of a voting machine. The number one holding is called Compass Pathways. It's number one for a reason. We decided to make it the largest holding in the fund. Now, Compass Pathways is uh, listed as a healthcare company, mental health treatments. They have treatments in their pipeline uh, based on psilocybin. It's a London-based company, but it's listed, again, on, uh, on the U.S. exchanges. And it's also, you know, has operations in the United States. The second largest company in, in the fund is Cybin. Cybin is another, they're really listed as a biotech company. When you read their description, again, you're going to see they have a number of treatments and drugs in FDA trial. And again, psilocybin-based. You know, you can look at the, the rest of the holdings and, you know, there's some other companies that aren't solely based on psilocybin, but we included them in the fund because they do have some psychedelics related things. But what you're not going to see in here is Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer. You know, some of those companies are dabbling in psychedelics a little bit, but no, we want this fun to be pure psychedelics exposure, real psychedelics exposure, not a bunch of filler. So there's other names that people are going to be unfamiliar with, but again, look at the holdings. That's the beauty of an ETF. It's right there for you to see. And there's other names that people might've heard like a tie, like MindMed. You know, I want to point out uh, an interesting one that's Celos, and we've had their executives on, um, so our live streams, which we try to have a lot of online presence and education, but Celos has a very unique ketamine treatment for acute suicidal tendencies. Well, actually acute suicidal ideation, I guess it's called, but it's very important. And when you look at what all these different companies are doing and what their treatments can be provided for, it makes us kind of excited for the future. But I wanted to point out Celos as a extremely interesting one that now their drug can actually be used in emergency rooms, you know, in the heat of it, 
when there's a suicide at risk. I find that interesting. Then thank you for joining us. This was a great overview of the psychedelics investing landscape with Dan Aaron's portfolio manager of advisor share psychedelics ETF ticker PSIL. We'll have all the relevant links in the show notes. My name is Nick Mazing. This is Signals by AlphaSense. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. This was another episode of Signals by AlphaSense. Keep in mind that all views presented here are the views of the guests and hosts and do not represent the views of their employers or of AlphaSense. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investing, tax, legal, or medical advice. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a rating and review and subscribe for more.